Schlob Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you. I will fight for you. And I will win for you. Win for you. So much winning. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. America's Man of the Hour and home of America's biggest Trump supporters. 
climb aboard and buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. Nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega.
you know, it, it's amazing, and, and I'm forever grateful um, to to all of you. Um, it's uh, and at certain points, it's 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 um, it's it's just it's surreal, you know, just how how many people, you know, I get so much positive feedback feedback from, and thousands and thousands of people have started to listen. Um, but yeah, I just wow, just thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we had a huge show yesterday. Um, we had, a, and I want to thank all my guests. Uh, we had a lot of dress yesterday and talked about um, that. I that uh, we got a lot of dress yesterday. There's certain things that I did not get to that I will get to today, and I mentioned that at the end of the show yesterday. Um, tonight we have uh, a great show. Great show plan. We have doctor, professor, feminism expert, entrepreneur, and best-selling author. Um, oh Jesus! I. Uh, Give me one second, folks. Give me, give me, give me one second. Paul Nathanson. I did not put his uh, for some reason, and I've never done this before. All my show notes are always perfect, and for some reason, I did not put his, I did not put his name right. Out. Oh, Jesus Christ! But it's Paul Nathanson. Nathanson. He's he's a very he's doing a lot of good things right now. Um, you know, if this is this is huge. I'm very excited to have him on. Obviously, everybody knows we were having a feminism kind of talk last night and how it's destroying humanity and society and all of that stuff. So, you know, he um, was a, you know, this is one of his expertise. I mean, he's written several books about it, so we can't wait to talk to him. Um, We will also be having lobbyists, um, criminal defense attorney, former prosecutor, political strategist, lobbyist, constitutional expert, and best-selling author David Shatokis will be calling back in tonight. Let's talk a little bit more. Uh, international security expert, political strategist, Islamic historian, lobbyist, entrepreneur, and best-selling author, Valerie Greenfeld. I believe it's on the line with us. How are you? I'm here. Thank you. How, how are you? I'm good. Happy to be here with you. Excellent, Valerie. Valerie Greenfeld, everybody. And I believe I have my co-host, Josh, on the line. Howdy, howdy. What's up? How you doing, buddy? Doing, doing real, real well. Excellent, man. Excellent, excellent. Um, so, obviously, there's a lot to get to today. I want to start with, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the IG report that came out today. Um, it's absolutely mind-blowing. Um, I'm sure, you know, you're familiar with it, Josh, and, and you, Valerie, but with the way James Comey and Andrew McCabe, and Rod Rosenstein, and all of these people, the way they handled her situation, I mean, it, it, it goes to show, and, and there, it, it just goes to show that they had no intention on ever taking her case seriously. They, they, were, they never thoroughly or looked in detail at the, the several crimes she committed. Uh, they did not want Trump to be president. There were text messages even released today showing, um, quote unquote, or you know, we will make sure that he never becomes president. And I mean, all of at the FBI. I mean, we're talking about top officials discussing, you know, and trying to, you know, rig an election in someone else's favor so they can be protected because they knew if Trump won, just like he's doing right now. The stuff is going to come out. Everything's going to be exposed. People are going to be screwed that we're doing dirty things. 
So I, I, I cannot believe, I, I mean, I can believe, but at the same time, it makes me sick and it makes me um, like ill that we don't, we didn't, don't have a justice system and a, I mean, I, I mean a, uh, you know, a system like an FBI, the FBI that is honest with us. The, 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 I mean, even, you know, even people, um, you know, in the Obama administration were a part, I mean, it's, and you know, like people, there's so many people that worked close to Obama, you know, obviously these people at the FBI worked under Obama and worked for Obama. We get that. But I mean, there's, there's, I feel like there's other people involved. I feel like more and more stuff's going to come out. Um, it's, it, this is just mind blowing. I, you know, and you see, you see all of the evidence right in front of us and nothing crickets in terms of, um, like you know, throw you know, giving indictments, you know, uh, filing charges. Um, we've had we've seen people go to jail for doing a lot less, uh, for ba- basically doing nothing. Strong example, uh, you know, look at uh, General Petraeus. They ruined the guy's life, and he did a, a, a barely a fraction of what Hillary Clinton did. Another example. What about that sailor that took pictures? For simply taking pictures, they put him in prison for a year, and Trump just had to pardon him because Obama basically used this sailor as a distraction from the Hillary Clinton case. And this was all out in the news. This isn't like anything made up that they use it as a distraction. But, I mean, there's all these different things that Obama, you know, put us through that is is absolutely disgraceful. It. it you know, I I just can't even put it into words right now on how this all this time and think about think about this for a second, guys. All of this time under Obama, we had this FBI department, this Justice Department, these crooked individuals. Who knows what else they did? Who knows what other crimes they've committed? I mean, this is just the beginning. In my opinion, this is just warm up. Rook, this is just batting practice compared to what's about to really come out uh, as time goes on. I mean, we're going to be see so much stuff that's going to be revealed. But Mike Zolo, you just joined us. How are you, sir? My other co-host, New Jersey. What's going on, buddy? What's up, brother? How are you, man? Good, man. Good to have you back, man. We missed you last night. Yeah, man. Sorry about that. I'm here, though, so. Uh, yeah, I know you got thoughts on this real quick, and then I want to get Valerie's take, and then I want to get um, I want to get Josh's take as well. Well, you're talking about the IG report. Yep, about crooked Hillary. They knew all along that she they were never going to indict her. They didn't look at the evidence thoroughly, and you know, in detail, well, uh, they they knew they were going to exon- exonerate her ahead of time, even before they even checked into the investigation. There was, uh, there was a, uh, you know, malicious activity, and they had it out for Trump. They did not want him elected because they knew all of this stuff was going to be exposed, all the secrets, all the corruption. They did not want that guy in charge. Well, I don't know if uh, you saw, but in the IG report, there were two FBI agents texting each other. I was just talking said, about uh, that. Yep, we will make sure that he never becomes president. No, 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 not well. That was a big one, obviously, but there was another one. There was two FBI agents named FBI agent 
I think they were put as like FBI agent five and seven or whatever. And they actually said that Trump supporters are retarded. So if that's oh, yeah. not bias, then I'll read I don't it here right it now. I have it right in front of me. Give me one second. I saved it on purpose earlier. FBI employee. Trump supporters are all poor to middle class, uneducated, lazy pieces of shit that think he will magically. You're damn right I got that. And now let me tell you this, too. Let's get this. Let's understand this. Let's understand this for one second. James Comey, who was investigating Hillary Clinton for her illegal use of emails and a private server, had his own private email on Gmail. You cannot yeah. make this up. That James just Comey, to make it clear, did way, you, did, just to make it clear, did you hear word for word of what I said, quote unquote, what they said in the text messages? Yes, yes. I yes, mean, can I you believe? Can you believe an employee at the FBI who's supposed to be protecting us and supposed to be, uh, you know, have no sort of partisan politics at all? I mean, they're not supposed to be partisan. They're supposed to just do what follow the law and do what's right. Well. And here's the thing. We have the media and the liberals saying, oh, there was no political bias. Well, top FBI agents calling Trump, calling Trump supporters poor, uneducated, lazy pieces of shit seems like a little bias to me, pal. CNN is a disgrace. And by the way, I don't know if you saw, but James Comey said that he didn't know at the time that Uma yep. Aberdeen was married Denial. to Anthony Weiner. The Weiner. The Weiner. Here's the like, thing. This... Speaking, speaking of the Weiner, real quick, speaking of the Weiner, Anthony Weiner, uh, he um, is – there's actually more reports out today that they hid evidence of st- emails on his computer and that he was – I mean, they, that there was secret stuff on that computer – uh, from Hillary. Did you hear about that too? I did. I did. And by the way, do you know who the first person, any, without anybody ever talking about it months and months ago, do you know who the first person is who said that Anthony Weiner would have those, um, <laughs> those things? Whenever you say so, his name. <laughs> I know. It's just, I can't even, you can't not laugh. Donald <laughs> Trump on the campaign trail said that Anthony Weiner, because of Uma Abbey, <laughs> definitely had those emails and classified information on his server. And the media mocked him and called him a liar, saying he had no evidence, and it turns out he was right. But let's get to the real, real big thing. Foreign actors, okay, access Hillary's classified information. What does foreign actors mean? This could mean the Chinese. This could mean Russia. I thought the left was so concerned with Russia. Well, apparently... Foreign, uh, foreign countries, for, uh, governments had this information of Hillary Clinton, but we can't get the email. The DNC deleted their server, which is separate. It's all a joke. It's all a joke. But the, the disdain and the hatred that these FBI guys have for Trump and his supporters is unprecedented. These are supposed to be the FBI. This is supposed to be, you know, the top-notch law enforcement. And you have FBI agents saying, we'll make sure he loses. He won't win. You have other ones calling us Trump supporters 
poor, uneducated, lazy pieces of shit. You have the other one saying from Ohio are retarded, and that's his word, not mine. He said retarded. That's messed up. But, I, but, but people need to understand. I've been saying this a long time. The people that hate Donald Trump, all these celebrities and, and all these FBI guys, all these deep state people, when Robert De Niro, for example, said fuck Trump, he means fuck Trump supporters. They hate us as much as they hate Donald Trump. So you got to, we got to see in real life what these FBI agents, and many of them, they're top FBI guys. These aren't like low-time FBI guys. These are top FBI agents. Uh, you know, yeah. Peter uh, Strzok was involved in the Lisa Page. investigation into Trump for Russia uh, collusion, and he's talking yeah. about we'll stop him from being president. This is – I don't know what more evidence we need. I don't know what else we need to put handcuffs on these people. I, I mean, what else do we need? Do we need – And you would, me- you would have laughed because it's ridiculous how CNN was brushing it off tonight. CNN basically just said, oh, this is – the conservatives are just uh, getting all worked up over nothing. There's no evidence. Here. I mean, the, the way they play it off. Yeah, yeah. There's, I'll yeah. tell you. We're, we're just, I'll tell you what else just, we need. I'll tell you what else we need. We need some guts. We need some chutzpah. And the problem with the Republican Party is we don't have it. You know, if this was on the other side, the other side of the, the other foot, the shoe was on the other foot. If we were going through this and the Democrats had the opportunity to prosecute us, this would have been done years ago. But Republicans, we just, we won't do it. And I just pray that this time we have enough guts to go out there and do what we're supposed to do. This is, this is our country, and these people should all be in jail, and everybody knows it. And I just hope You're Congress says they're right. And the, and the craziest thing to me, the craziest thing to me is it is, it is indisputable at this point. When you have the FBI and FBI agents talking about preventing Donald Trump. Now, this isn't me saying they didn't want Trump to win. This is them saying in text messages how we're, how, you know, we're lazy pieces of shit and how we're going to stop Trump from winning. Okay, that's not me saying that. That's their text messages. How Obama go unscathed by this? I don't care if he's a former president. He is behind all of this. He absolutely weaponized the DOJ, the FBI, to try and prevent Donald Trump from being president. And once Donald Trump won, this investigation is trying the, – the Russia investigation is the second part. It is the part for them to try and bring him down as president. What Donald absolutely. Trump is facing is absolutely unprecedented. It's never happened in American history, and, and these people want him gone. But I, I, I just want to cla- say what I said before. People need to understand – it's not only that they hate Donald Trump, they hate us just as much because we're the people that put Donald Trump where he is today. And we saw it today with those text messages. You see what they think of us. This is what they all think of us. They hate us. Of course they hate Donald Trump, but they truly, truly hate us because we made Donald Trump possible. That's the part that's the most disturbing. Very true. Very true. Um, Josh, I want to get your reaction, and then our special guest just called in. I want to introduce him, but Josh, go ahead. 
Yeah, real quick. I mean, I think it's the thing that's most alarming is I think all of us, especially on the right, knew that there was a large amount of corruption in the government, but we didn't realize to what degree that the corruption was. And I think that this is really good going forward that we're aware of this stuff. And, and like Valerie said, we, the, you know, the Republicans need to get some cojones and go after these guys. We can't let this continue to happen. This is where it needs to end. We found out about it. It's out in the open. You know, this is just the beginning, and we need to go after these people. But, and here's the thing, though, Josh. You make a great point, and so does Valerie. But, and I've been saying that for a long time. Go after these people. Yeah. But it's, it's, almost like, it's almost like the Democrats have the, the evil power that um, the, the Republicans don't. You know, it's almost like the the Republicans don't have as much power because we've seen how much the Democrats have gotten away with. But look who look yeah, who, I, look who I, uh, just real quick look who we have as a Republican, Lindsey Graham. If you think Lindsey Graham is gonna is gonna be on top of this, don't hold your breath. We need to get yeah. different people. The Republicans are a joke. They are they are traitors, in my opinion, because they have attacked. This president, in two years, more than they have ever, ever attacked Barack Obama when he was president for eight, and he destroyed the country. So that's just the bottom line. These Republicans, they're jokes. Jeff Flake, Lindsey Graham, even Trey Gowdy. Trey Gowdy said he was disappointed in the report today. But where has he been for the last month? He's been telling Trump to start acting like an innocent man. He's been telling Trump to keep his mouth shut. He's been telling Trump that the FBI didn't do anything wrong spying on his campaign. Trey Gowdy used to be a bulldog. What happened? Look, look, the Republicans are a joke. Donald Trump's all we got. You have a few people here and there, but at the end of the day, he's all we got, and we, it's our job to put people in there to help this guy out because he can't do it all alone. He can't run the country and fight this investigation all alone by himself. The guy has nobody other than his, his, his supporters, his base, obviously. But he doesn't have people in Washington, and that's our job. So, so the Republicans, Jeff Flake, all these Bob Corker, they, they, all they do is blast the president. That's all they do. It's a, it's a joke. Yeah, it, it 100% is. Yo, it, it, went, it got disconnected for a second. Did, did anybody lose connection? No, I'm good. I'm good. We're good. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened. I lost connection. Like, I was – I probably – I didn't hear probably like 20 seconds of that because something happened where it just, on my side, just went silent for like 20 seconds, and then you came back on. You know, I want to say something about Trump because, you know, yeah. he is out there by himself. I agree with Wait, whoever just real, said real that. Quick, real quick, though, guys, was that just me? Did you guys – Zolo, did, did you guys hear everything Zolo said? Yeah. I just want to make sure it's yeah, not I, uh, on, I heard my, on my side. I, I mean, we're hearing you now, so I think, I think whatever that was is gone now. But, uh, I mean, if, if we don't hear something, we'll let you know. Okay, cool. All right, go ahead, Valerie. I think that um, Republicans are just afraid. And I think that yeah. they want to go with the popular. They want to go with what's – you know, instead of just taking our convictions and go with what you believe in, and that's what they're yeah. elected to do. 
but yet, you know, we have to take the, the test. We have to take the temperature and see who's on top and whose poles are rising before we make any decisions. And, and that show, that's been shown time and time again. It doesn't work. If you just right. stick with your convictions, you know what you believe, you know who you represent, and that's what Trump has been doing, and that's why he's yeah. up in the poll. That's why the market is up, because people have confidence in him. And we just need to get our congressional members, our Senate and our House members, to get behind him. And it's just incredible to me that he's already gone over a year, and he still doesn't have that. Yeah, well, Rory, our party can I has do... to come together. Rory, can yeah, I just ahead. real quick just say something real quick? I just want to say I agree with you, Valerie, on, on part of that. I do think some Republicans are are scared, but but I think it's deeper than that with more than with a lot with probably more than half of them. I think they dislike Trump. I I, I think I think some of them like Trump and they're scared and they're they're just feckless, like weak politicians. But I think I think the other half of them hate this president, hate how he just. Hey, Never Donald, Donald I, have to, I have to interrupt just, you real quick. Go ahead. I, I, have, I have to welcome our special guest. Hold on. Hold on one second. I want, I want everybody, I want to welcome to the show our special guest, doctor, professor, activist, anti-feminism expert, entrepreneur, and best-selling author, Paul Nathanson. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thanks. Well, it's good to have you on. Um, I, I really I want to get to everything. I have, we have a lot to talk to you about. We're we're very uh, anti-feminism, and I know you specialize in this. You've written several books about it. It's a big problem epidemic going on in our country. Real quick, if you don't mind, um, I just uh, Zolo, just finish what you said, and then I want to give the floor to uh, to Paul, and I want Paul to kind of uh, give some of his background, and then I want Paul to kind of talk about the feminism uh, movement and stuff. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I was just saying I agree that there are some uh, Republicans that do like the president, but they're just feckless, weak, and, and they just they're worried about poll numbers and what how they say stuff, and they're politically correct. But I think it's deeper than that for the rest of them. I think most of them hate this president. I think they have a deep hatred for him. I think Paul Ryan hates this president. I think most of these Republicans look at Donald Trump and say, this guy never even ran for, for mayor, and he's president of the United States. Who the hell does this guy think he is? You know, I think there's a, a – I think some of them are good, but they're just weak. But I just, I'm just saying Paul Ryan and a lot of these guys, they seriously deep down have hatred right. for this man. They won't admit it, but they dislike this president. They hate him, and that's just – in my mind, it's a fact. So I just wanted to say right. that. You're absolutely right. Um, P- Paul, I want to I want to give you the floor. Um, and, and, and David, I know you're on the line. David, I'll give you an introduction in a, uh, in a few minutes. Um, we do have a lot. We will have David. I know you'll want to talk. Get in on this conversation. You're a very anti-feminist kind of guy. Uh, but Paul, uh, please tell us a little bit about you. Uh, you know, I know you. You're a doctor. You're a professor. You know, you've been, um, you know, studying this um, and and fighting this epidemic of feminism for a while now. And uh, it's become this anti-men, jaded, one-sided ideology. They, they want to be superior to men. They, they think that they can treat men however they want, and then men can't treat – you know, it's, it's basically like a one-sided um, standpoint. It's, it's absolutely absurd. And, and, they're, and they're, they're, the way they think in terms of 
like, you know, they can be, they think, like, why? And we have all these, you know, they think they can be superior to men, but they, they can't. I mean, they, they try, they try, they try, but they just can't because, it, it it doesn't work first of all because they, they totally they're totally saying the wrong message a and b they are you know basically either pushing more and more men away or they're turning men into soy boys little wimps that are su- suckers that let their wives and boyfriends boss them around i you, you know they let their they let you know the boyfriends and husbands let their wives boss them around but which I think is absolutely absurd. You see that in grocery stores. You see that out in public. You see it, and I'm just like, oh, my God, what's going on here? Shouldn't the man – I mean, the man is supposed to be the, you know, the dominant one in the relationship, not the submissive one. But, go, but Paul, please, um, I had to go on that rant. Sorry. Sometimes I go on rants on the feminist topic because I just can't stand it. But uh, please tell us a little bit about you. Well, uh, I – I'm in the field of religious studies yep. and uh, comparative religion. And uh, my special area of interest is um, not so much comparing one religion with another, but comparing religion with secularity. Um, and I think that um, there are some political ideologies on both the left and the right that have come to function as religions. In other words, they don't mediate the sacred, but in every other way, they function very much the way religions do. They, they're they about meaning and identity and purpose and uh, um, all the things that religion does, um, except, uh, except salvation. Um, so I think that feminism is what I call a secular religion. Um, now, I don't think that all feminists uh, belong in that category, um, but some of them certainly do. So would that's you, how I got real interested. Quick, real quick, Paul, uh, real quick, would you say the ones that belong in that category are the leftists, the ones that are the leftist sort of feminists that are on the that side of the, the aisle? Um, well, I would, but I, 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 I would add to that that there are some things that feminism has in common with the right, not necessarily the American right, but the right in the sense of nationalism. Um, Because I think that uh, although feminism derives the notion of gender directly um, from Marxism in the sense that gender is just a, a new word for what Marx called class, um, but there's another sense in which gender functions the way nationalists sometimes talk about race. So that, um, for example, um, in all this debate over gender, I think that for some feminists, uh, women are a race and men are a different race. Um, in other words, they're biologically built um, in ways that are opposing. So I know that's a little hard to assimilate, but uh, I think that there is a connection. 
Can I ask a question about that? I think that's interesting. I mean, I know men are from Mars and women are from Venus or vice versa, <laughs> um, but why, why do we have to be in competition? Why can't we just say we're different and we complement each other and we can be all living in harmony and, and sing kumbaya? I mean, I don't understand why there's always a conflict. Yes, well, you're asking the wrong person because I agree with you. Um, but I think that the uh, the reason why feminists are unable to do that is because they see all of history as a titanic conspiracy of men to oppress women. Okay, so um, from that point of view, every man is an enemy. So uh, where does that come from? Well, well, that's interesting. Um, the idea of um, men having created culture to suit themselves and to oppress women um, has been developing for um, maybe 40 or 50 years. Uh, now, what happened was that feminism originated, at least second-wave feminism originated in the 1960s, um, really as an egalitarian movement. Uh, they wanted equality, and uh, that was well within the tradition of Western societies. But something happened in the late 60s or early 70s that shifted everything. And it was exactly the same thing, I think, that happened with other political movements. For example, it was the, the shift from the um, civil rights movement to the black power movement. Uh, at the very same time, there was a shift from egalitarian feminism to what I call ideological feminism. So there was something in the general society in the 1960s that made that kind of shift um, almost uh, inevitable. And so the polarization... Hey, hey, jo- yes? No, yeah, no, continue. I had a question after you were done. Okay. I'm just saying that that this, um, I call it ideological feminism because it functions, it, it is an ideology, uh, and ideology has several characteristic features. <clears throat> One of them is a worldview in which uh, there's us and there's them. And we are good and they are evil. And that is um, a a feature of ideologies on both the left and the right. Um, And that's the way it functions. And that's where we are. Polarization. And whether it's between men and women or between black people and white people or between religious people and secular people, there are all these polarizations and we can't seem to get out of that. That's the big problem. Mm-hmm. So, quick question. I kind of something I thought of as you were talking about the the time period in the '60s. Do you think that the uh, the women influx of workers in the uh, the factories and the manufacturing during World War II, because most of the men were away fighting, do you think that had to do with anything of the shift um, for the first feminist movement? Uh, no, I don't think that was the origin of. Uh, of feminist ideology. I think that uh, that was, um, at least in the United States, 
that was really uh, an extension of Marxism. So I have a question for I mean, you then. Uh, is it okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, just go ahead. Then Valerie. Okay. okay. Is it okay? Oh, yeah, Josh, yeah, I, I, thought Josh, real... I don't know if Josh yeah. was finished. Valerie, I don't know if Josh was finished. Go ahead, finished? Josh. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm done, Valerie. Go ahead. Oh, you were done? Okay. okay, I wasn't sure. Go ahead, Valerie. All right. So my question is, you're talking about the we versus them, like the ideology. I mean, does that work psychologically in every kind of um, – I guess it's a psychological change or a shift. Because uh, people want to be on the winning side or they want to be with the cool group. They don't want to be left out. They want to be isolated. So, so it sounds to me like this ideology or this polarization that you're talking about could happen in many different ways. Um, could you comment on, I mean, would it be like, could it be Nazism and jihadism and any other ism? They all kind of stem from this psychological polarization? Yes. And I'm glad you used those examples. Those are very good examples. You know, for Nazis, uh, the whole world was uh, a titanic struggle against, uh, of um, Aryans against uh, Jews and other racial misfits. Uh, uh, the jihadists see the world entirely as a war between um, believing Muslims and the outside world. So it's the same mentality. And that mentality, um, it's not just um, a psychological um, trait. Uh, it has a cultural history, a long cultural history in the West um, and also in, the, in other uh, countries. Um, so if you look back at uh, the ancient Near East, for example, uh, even in the biblical tradition, there was this uh, sense that uh, the entire world was a battleground between um, the children of light and the children of darkness, between um, the Hebrews and all their neighbors, between the early church and heresies. Um, so there's a long, long history here. Uh, feminists did not invent it. That's what I'm trying to say. They didn't invent it, but they, they adopted this mentality because it proved politically useful. You mentioned polarization. How dangerous is that, and especially in the current um, way that the, you know, the, the country is going with all this everybody hitting heads together. How dangerous is polarization? Well, I think, uh, I think it's profoundly dangerous. Um, I don't think you can have a, a democracy endure um, forever uh, the kind of polarization that uh, um, is growing now. I mean, I, I think that the country is probably as polarized now as it was uh, during the Civil War. Um, wow. You know, democracy is based on the idea that people have enough in common that they can put aside some of their differences and pull together. Um, so on the one hand, in a democracy, um, yes, everybody votes for self-interest, but at some point, they can also put self-interest aside and try to unite the, you know, the whole society. 
So polarization is, a, is an extremely dangerous thing. I overheard part of your conversation earlier this evening, and you were talking about, you know, Republicans, Democrats, and the kind of, you know, real hostility. Uh, that's just another sign of the same problem. Yeah. Oh, it tr- it, it, tr- it truly is. And, and it, you know, I want to I want to go back into kind of what you you know um, you know we're talking about real quick. I just I have to, a question uh, welcome, real, if you want. Yeah, go ahead, Zola. Yeah, real quick. I, so when I view feminism, uh, what I see is is that like when they have these marches and these protests, protests, it seems to me that they're pushing a lot of degeneracy. And what I mean by that is I I see an obsession with transgenderism. Uh, transgenderism. I see an obsession with the feminists with uh, abortion. What is the obsession with abortion? I, I don't understand. Maybe, maybe you have some insight Good on question. that. Good question. They re- they're overly obsessed about that. I agree with that, Zello, and it's kind of disturbing when you think about it. Well, um, let me answer. There are two questions in there. One of them you, you asked about transgender. Um, that actually uh, uh, was something that feminists had a hard time with originally because transgender, <laughs> transgender people are saying that really there's no such thing as uh, male or female. And, uh, but a lot of feminists had been saying for many years uh, that the difference between men and women was profound and that uh, there was very much something. There was a, a reality behind the idea of women. Um, so transgender was originally a problem. And I, I think what happened with the transgender people was that they simply took the logic inherent in identity politics and played the game the same way that feminists had played it. Um, now, uh, then you asked about what was the other group? Um, abortion. Abortion. Oh, abortion. Yeah, abortion. Yes. Well, abortion uh, began uh, uh, as a, um, a movement uh, because women saw that their um, freedom as individuals uh, they was threatened by the idea that they were supposed to be mothers only, um, but also because uh, their lives were interrupted by unwanted pregnancy. Um, so they had a motive. Um, now, not all women, as you know, um, want abortion. Many are opposed to it. Uh, and it continues to be a divisive um, problem within feminism. Um, not to mention society as a whole. Um, and for that matter, there are many men who support abortion because it frees them from uh, what happens when you have an unwanted pregnancy. But, you know, I guess uh, when you talk about abortion, I want to go back to what something else that was happening uh, in the 60s, and that was the, what was called the, the sexual revolution with the advent of the birth control pill. Um, now, that really was a major, a major uh, a revolutionary uh, event because for the first time in history, 
sex was divorced from uh, reproduction. In other words, you could enjoy sex and not have to worry about the consequences. Um, now, what happened was that at first, women were very um, eager to enjoy their sexual freedom, and uh, they basically uh, tried to conduct themselves in the same way as men. Uh, but they found after a while that it didn't work very well for women. Uh, and I think that the reaction against uh, what happened, and more specifically the reaction against male sexuality, um, is really one of the results of that sexual revolution. So women now want to rewrite the rules. They don't like the rules that they were playing with. They they were they say that those were men's rules. Women have a different understanding of sexuality, different needs, different problems, and so in this. Um, but they ha- you see the problem is that by rewriting the rules, they haven't negotiated really with men. They don't understand right. male sexuality. Um, they expect men to be mind readers. You know, um, <laughs> did she really want it? Didn't she want it? I got to get in when you can. <laughs> so that's where the Me Too movement comes in. Yes. There's a real confusion over what sexuality means um, and what the rules are. And, and, so and you know, I, oh, go ahead, Valerie. So, I mean, I don't know if there are any other women on the line here, but I think a lot of it is that the, the, the femininity and um, the sexuality issue came because women want to have a choice to what to do with their body. Like you were saying earlier, uh, Paul, that, you know, society says if you get pregnant, you know, before the, before the sexual revolution, you had no choice. And I think women just want it all. They want to say, okay, we want to be the same as men. I mean, that we want to have the same opportunities. We want to be equal. But then on the other hand, when it comes to something like sexual, sexual revolution, it's like, well, we have our rights, and those are separate. So I think, you know, you can't have it both ways. You have to choose. And for me, you know, when they had the Women's March after Trump won, I know a lot of women that wanted to march in that. Um, and so it wasn't a woman's march. This was a liberal march, you know, because that women that, that, that are pro-life it was, were not It was a hate them. Trump. It was a hate Trump march right. for the most part. Right. And so a lot of this is branding. You know, it's not about, it's not about women per se. It's about let's all get, um, you know, like you said, let's go against Trump and let's pretend that it's all for women. But so many women were not included. And, and Valerie, here's what, and, and you make a good point, Valerie. And, and Paul, I want to speak on this as well. Here's what really makes me upset. I'm, I'm going to talk about a couple things regarding feminism <laughs> that I think is absolutely hypocritical. It contradicts what they say they stand for, of what I'm about to say. But you never saw these people marching in the streets for Harvey Weinstein. I mean, guys like that who are the biggest sexual predators of all time never happened. I mean, crickets. But that, that, that's not the main thing I was going to get to. I look at feminism as terrorism. These people are marching through the streets, making demands, sometimes even getting violent. I've seen feminists get violent, physical and verbal. Uh, v- v- lots of bigotry that come out, and ignorance that comes out of their mouth, and we all know that. But um, 
it's a big problem and sad that especially the left ideology, the leftist ideology over the years has ruined what feminism was, uh, you know, uh, at one point, what, what was originally uh, made for, which wasn't for all of this one-sided, jaded ideology. Feminism, when it was first created, it was not this radical radicalization and craziness that's going on today. Um, so they definitely over over abused it, and it's it's just gone crazy. Well, uh, yes, it, you can say that it's gone crazy, but the logic inherent. Uh, in what's going on now uh, has a long history. Uh, Because if you believe that um, all of history is a a struggle against men uh, who oppress women, who create culture in order to oppress women, um, then it makes sense to argue that the way to get rid of that is to destroy every institution um, that they can. So the first institution that they would have to destroy would be the family. Uh, right. So, and so these, these, the family must be really dismantled. Uh, it must disintegrate before they can build something on on top of it. So uh, you know, there's a long, but there's if there's a long history here. It's not something that one or two people just suddenly said, hey. You know, let's get, let's uh, take over here. Let's let's uh, change the rules. It's a long, long history. Oh, it absolutely is, and and you know, I feel a lot of times feminists, you know, they 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 don't talk about actual facts. They don't talk about how in a lot. They always talk about how they're oppressed. They always talk like they're a minority. They talk like they're the ones struggling and sad and, you know, they're the ones that have the most miserable life. But in a lot of cases, women make more money than men. You don't see them talking about that. You don't see them talking about the, all the positives that they have in their life that men don't have, as well as you don't see them bring up uh, the women's rights in the Middle East. Like they, they, a lot of feminists vote Democrats. But all these Democrat politicians take money from the Middle East and places where they don't let women have rights, kill women. They, they execute women. They treat women like shit. I mean, and it kind of contradicts what they say they stand for. And, it, you know, it's point. just there's so much hypocrisy in, the, in so many senses. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, um you know, part of this feeds into allied movements. Um, one of those allied movements is um, a, a kind of uh, anti-Western movement, um, which is based on the premise that Western civilization, uh, because it has created and supported some evils in history, I mean, and there clearly are. I mean, there was uh, slavery is the most obvious example, um, therefore, Western culture does not deserve to survive. It should be dismantled uh, along with the family. Uh, and so these are all, uh, it's a, they're a parallel movement. It's not really one movement. 
the same people who uh, want to destroy the family are people who want to um, uh, destroy um, the whole society that we've built. No, absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. And I want to play a clip real quick and see what you think. Um, Here, you know, here's some useful advice, which was basically on TMZ today, and the feminists are absolutely going crazy. Um, the, The feminists are absolutely going crazy. And about this video that's circulating, basically Drake's dad is telling all of these Me Too people, stop going to hotel rooms then with men. And the way he said it, it was, it's actually really funny. This is like a minute clip, but this is like going all over. All, it's like blowing up on social media today. The feminists are fucking are so mad about it. I think it's hilarious, and I think he makes somewhat of a point, but at the same time, um, I, I, I can see, I, I, I don't know, I can see how it can be somewhat condescending. But listen to this clip. I'm, it's hilarious, though. You'll get a laugh out of it. I'm sure other people will as well. Jamie Foxx is being accused of um, slapping a woman with his penis 16 years ago. No. I was kind of wondering what you make of, like, an, an accusation like that. You know, 16 years after the fact, what you make of, you know, slapping a person, I I don't really know, like, you know. Jamie is my brother, and I I really, really can't comment on what happened 16 years ago. But um, there there is something that I want to say to these young ladies that allow themselves to go and and be with a man in their rooms or uh, or whatever, stop going to the hotels. Same with Bill Cosby. Stop going to their rooms. You don't have to be in their rooms. Uh, Take your ass home. So so it's, it's, you know, like, are there the two sides to blame? No, there's not two sides to blame. You take your ass home. Don't go into a man's room. Don't go where a man is, uh, uh, where you might think a man is going to have anything to do with uh, 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 raping you or anything else. Take your ass home. Wow. Jesus. So there you have it. Wow. Whoa. And that was kind of a little overboard, but I can see what he's kind of talking about. That said, by the way, by the way, you're you're in Canada, and Drake's from Canada. He's the rapper. I, he's uh, that was his dad, and I. That's the first time I've ever seen his dad in a, a viral video. TMZ asking his dad a question. It's weird. I usually I usually sometimes read TMZ, but this was just like I thought it was. I, I mean, what, what what do you say? What do you think about that? I mean, the feminists are really angry about this one today. Actually, I couldn't hear it very well. I don't have a good a good a telephone connection, but um, so I couldn't really hear what was said. Did everybody else hear? I heard it. Yeah, here, I'd I'll... like to say is this is common sense. Whatever happened to common sense? It's not so common anymore. I mean, everybody can't be a victim. You have to be responsible for your own actions, and you have to use your brain. And if you're going to, like the man said, he's right. 
But, you know, why is it that we don't know this stuff anymore? What happened? You know, and, I want to talk what about the video... something that I, I mentioned on the phone. Uh, uh, this article in the Washington Post, it was an op-ed. Um, yes. In which the author, talk about it. Yeah, uh, her name about is uh, yeah, Susanna Walker, and she wrote, the, the, the article is called, Why Can't We Hate Men? And I mean, I think that, uh, think about what she's saying. She's basically saying that uh, men have treated women badly, therefore women should do the same thing to men. Uh, so she is, she's conflating um, revenge with justice. Now, justice is not about revenge. It's about reconciliation. And uh, I, I, I mention this only to indicate how far we've come from, you call it common sense uh, or common decency. Other people call it the golden rule. But it's a universal, it's a universal feature of human culture, and that is, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is not religion I'm talking about. This is um, a universal human intuition. Now, if we get to the point where people are now saying that hate is okay, it's good to hate, it feels good, um, then yeah. we have really, really strayed into very, very deep water. Now, now let me let me. I really want to get ask you something. Are you, in a sense, have you studied some of the things of homosexuality and, and transgenderism? Yes. I, so there's a really big thing I want to get to, and I want to talk about this with all of my audience, and I've been wanting to. And this, you know what? I may get some backlash for this. What I'm about to say. It's not, it, you know, a lot of people agree with me. Some people don't. It's a political topic, um, and we can definitely all have a discussion about this. But, you know, there's a lot of talk about whether being gay is a choice or you're born with it. Or being a, tra- being a transgender, you're, born with, you're either born with feeling you have to be or it's a choice. I mean... You know, in my strong opinion, and I've believed this for a long time, being gay is a choice. And I, you know, it's not like it's not like I'm I'm secretive about my, uh, you know, theory behind this about how I feel or about my politi- my, my political belief about this. But it, it, it to me, it, it really is a choice. In so many ways, and I have a lot, a lot to give you, you know, give you examples. I do want to play a quick clip, though, uh, from Dr. Ben Carson, how he describes it in a perfect way. It's about a two-minute clip. I want you to, li- Paul, I want you to listen to this. This will be really clear, uh, this one. Um, please. Um, but tell me what you think because it's, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, bear with me. Uh, one five. One issue. Same-sex marriage. You have equal protection. It's working its way through the courts. The decisions are getting more and more uniform. But then you have people of faith who say marriage is ours. God says it is a man and a woman. The Bible says, my faith says, which one wins with Dr. Carson? Here's what I would do. I would do what the Constitution says. Constitution says 
Civil issues of that nature should be determined at the state level. Why does it say that? Because the judicial system at the state level has to answer to the people. What if people of a state vote for a law 100 to 0 that winds up infringing on the rights of a minority, like happened very often with slavery, like many would argue is happening now with people who are gay? And our Constitution was followed and we corrected those things. And isn't that what's happening right now with same-sex marriage? It's being corrected as a form of violation of equal protection. No, you can't just say because it happened that way this time, this is the same situation. It's not the same situation. Because people have no control over their race, for instance. You think they have control over their sexuality? Absolutely. You think being gay is a choice? Absolutely. Why do you say that? Because a lot of people who go into prison go into prison straight, and when they come out, they're gay. So did something happen while they were in there? Most Ask yourself that question. Most never go to prison, well, and you know there's a whole theory of I dominance. Said, wait a minute. I know. said a lot of people who go in, come out. Are you denying that that's true? I am no, not denying not. that that's true, but I am okay, denying that that's as a basis if, of understanding fact, homosexuality. If, in fact, that is the case, then it obviously thwarts what you just said. A lot of people go into jail as a drug addict and they come out as a criminal. But Does that mean that all drug addicts are Here's criminals? what's important. Why do gay people want to get married? Because they want to have various rights. No, they want Property commitment. rights. That's right. Visitation rights. They want their commitment to count just like why, mine and my wife's. Why can't any two human beings, I don't care what their sexual orientation is, why can't they have the legal right to do those things? That's what they're fighting for. Okay, that does not require changing the definition of marriage. But it would require covering that union as you do others, which is called union, which is called marriage in our society. I don't think so. Hey, just to clarify, did you hear that? Okay, uh, Paul. Paul. Yes. Did you hear that okay? Uh, no. I, I just heard the little snippets, but I got the general okay. picture. Let me just try to clarify something here. Uh, I don't really want to get into uh, the subject of homosexuality because it's, a, it's very complex, as everything okay. is. Uh, but I will say this, uh, that I am gay, and I do oppose gay marriage. And the reason I oppose gay marriage is because I think the children need uh, one parent of each sex. Now, since right. we're getting on to Father's Day this coming weekend, I think it's it's worth talking about um, right. that problem. Fatherhood right. has been uh, really trivialized um, and... Um, uh, it's not only it's not only gay marriage um which has uh basically says you know gay marriage is about two it's about the rights of two adults it has nothing right. to do with rights of children real, so if you believe quick, real, that fatherhood has a a necessary function quick, in the family quick, Paul Paul just real quick um what if you don't mind me asking are you religious at all real quick before you continue am I what are you religious at all? Yes. Are you Christian? No, Jewish. Okay, very nice, very nice. Okay, continue. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, okay, I want. I think that fatherhood is really at the heart of my larger project here, 
because I think that we're approaching what Warren Farrell in his book called The Boy Crisis um, is talking about, um, a crisis of identity for men. And the reason that there's a, a crisis is because um, the, the historic functions of men in society um, have eroded. Um, you know, one was protector, one was provider, uh, and one was progenitor or father. And the only one that remains uh, distinctive uh, to men is fatherhood, and that is being trivialized and undermined. Um, so it's very hard to have a healthy identity when you cannot make at least one contribution to society that is uh, A, distinctive, B, necessary, and C, publicly valued. Um, so, all, we're, so men are really, at this point, um, holding the line at fatherhood, but it's a very shaky ground. Um, we've got single mothers by choice. We've got... Um, uh, uh, the idea, the prevalent idea uh, that fathers are assistant mothers at best, you know, yeah. they can help with diapers and they can clean the house, and that's what fatherhood is. Um, right. Uh, or worse, they are, fathers are just there to provide money. Uh, right. And uh, worse than that, they're potential molesters. So. Right. So I, but I think that there's a, a real need for fathers, and, and it's not the same thing as motherhood. I think that motherhood uh, is something that's more important for infants uh, because they, they, you know, they, they feed at the mother's breast, literally. Um, but I think that as children grow older, fathers become more important because their function uh, is to lead children into the larger world. And what they supply children with is not so much unconditional love, although they might well have that, but it's the, they, they instill in children the need to earn respect from other people and from society. Um, so these are quite different functions. Um, and uh, fatherhood isn't necessarily the same um, emotionally gratifying role that motherhood might be. Um, but it's just as important. So we're at a stage wanna... now where we really need to celebrate Father, Father's Day in a not just by romanticizing it and buying Hallmark cards, but we need to think about what is the role of fathers, why are they necessary, and how can we stop the disappearance of fathers? Because, you know, we have this uh, epidemic of fatherless children now. And there's a correlation between the number of fatherless um, children there are and the number of... Uh, Speak, speaking uh, of, of that, of I, was reading, I, was reading a, I was reading a statistic the other day. And, you know, and, you know this is factual. You know, uh, you know I, I know I have liberal people that listen. I hope nobody tries to call me a racist for this, but... Seventy uh, percent of the black community uh, doesn't. The kids grow up without a father. Seventy percent of kids in the black community grow up without a father, which I thought I couldn't believe that number when I saw it. But that's outrageous. Uh, 
Um, but we're not just talking about the black community. We're talking about all communities. Um, but, you know, well, not all communities with the 70%. The 70% is just in the black community. But I know all, I know, I know all you know, different races. I mean, I, I know, you know, white people deal with this. Latinos deal with this. There's a lot of people that deal with this. But I've never seen as high a number as 70%. That, that's outrageous. Well, and the other thing about the 70% is that if they're not involved with the family, they're not usually paying child support which means that the mother has to serve as the mother and the father at the same time, which really confuses the role and also puts too much pressure on the mother. She can't do everything for the whole family, and that makes yeah. the kids more vulnerable in their, in, as they grow older into getting into right. trouble um, because they don't have the self-esteem and they don't have the ability to feel loved like they would if they had a mother. Uh, let me just uh, expand on what you said, which is very true. I think it's not only the problem that it's hard um, on a purely um, uh, practical level to be both a mother and a father. Uh, it's also uh, it's a contradiction in terms because the message that mothers give, which is, I will love you no matter what you do, um, and the message that a father gives is, um, I'll respect you if you live honorably. Um, one is unconditional, one is a conditional message, and they contradict each other. And for one person to give the same message is, is like giving a double message. I think it's confusing for children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, very well said. But why can't, why yeah. can't um, one person say, I will love you unconditionally and I will respect you if you do X, Y, and Z? Why can't because, you have both? Yeah, it's a good question, but it's because I think that respect really is a form of love. Um, uh, it's a different word, but it's a form of love. And I mean, I remember when, you know, I was growing up, I um, really had a hard time uh, earning respect from my father uh, for whatever reason. Um, and uh, it wasn't because I thought he didn't love me. It was because there was something else that I needed to get from him and found it difficult to get. But later on in life, he lived long enough for this to happen. He, We were once discussing something, rather. I was in university at the time. And he suddenly turned to me and he says, Paul, you're a learned man. And I, and suddenly that was what I had wanted for all those years, the respect from him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But it goes together with love. It's, it's, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to tear apart love and respect. So I think that it is hard to give. He just cut out on Jesus. Oh my goodness. He should call back in. He was on. He was on to something, though. <laughs> Man, he, boy, he was going off on so many fantastic tensions. Oh my goodness! I knew he Mark, was gay, man. I had a feeling. <laughs> Zolo, so elaborate on that, Zolo, so, please, here, for the I have audience. Something to say about, oh, Valerie. Um, oh, Valerie, mom. hold on. Let me let let Zolo elaborate. Okay, go try to get him back. Sure, sure. Okay. Zolo, go ahead. Elaborate on that. You want me to elaborate on that? Yes, please. 
Well, I don't know, man. I, you know, look, like, look, look, look. It's not. I'm not against gay people or anything, but uh, you know, they're they're rather, you know, they're rather easy to. Um, you are you are treading on uh, uh, thin water, my friend. Hey, hey man. All right, all right. You know. It's all, all right. <laughs> all right, he's going back in. Hold on. He's going back in. Hello, Paul Nathanson. Uh, I don't know what happened. It got randomly disconnected. How are you? I'm okay. I, I just got, got cut off. I had to call again. Yeah, okay. so please continue with what you were saying. Well, I was just trying to answer the question about the difference between love and respect. I think it's difficult, really, for one person to serve two functions that are quite different. Psychologically, I think it's difficult. That's all. But it doesn't yeah, well, absolutely. To me. So you're saying if you're if you're a mom and your kids and you love your kids unconditionally that they can't respect you? Oh, of course they can respect you, but um, it's it's can, it's in connection with the with entering the larger world and earning respect. It's not so much within the family. The whole point of fatherhood historically has been to lead children into the larger world, whether it's of work or anything else. Um, and uh, the major function of women, mothers, has been to provide this kind of intimate, emotional uh, love. But, you know, uh, love is not only an emotion. Love is, uh, which is why in religious traditions, people are sometimes commanded to love. It's an act of will. It's not just an emotion. Mm-hmm. And it's an action. Yeah. In any yeah, case, I'm... in any case, um, I oppose gay marriage because uh, I, I argued that uh, we don't, we have not had time to study the effects of this. We do know that the children of divorced parents um, are seriously at risk of almost every kind of handicap. Um, we, we haven't had time for studies to see what happens to the children of two mothers or two fathers. Uh, so I guess my point is that if we ever get to the point of, of uh, uh, what they call longitudinal study over a, an entire life cycle, uh, and we find that the children of gay parents are just as um, happy and well-adjusted and productive um, as other children, then fine, I would drop my objection to it. I don't think we're ready, though, to say that, and therefore I think that gay marriage is basically an experiment on uh, people who cannot give their consent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very well said, very well said. Um, and tell us, please tell us about your, uh, we got, please tell us about your books. You have a few books out. Please tell us about those. Well, um, I wrote, uh, four books, uh, with my co, my colleague, Catherine Young. Uh, we collaborated on four books and the first book is called Spreading Misandry, uh, the teaching of contempt for men in popular culture. 
Now that book was written in um, was published in uh, 2001, approximately two weeks after uh, 9/11, and uh, it was intended to be the first chapter of a single volume. But we had so much material that we ended up with four volumes. But we uh, so we looked at the way in which men are presented in. popular movies, TV shows, uh, Harlequin romances, uh, a whole range of popular culture. And we found that there was a, a pattern, and the pattern was that, that, the, that men were portrayed as being either evil or inadequate or both. And uh, some exceptions were made in some movies you'll have uh, – let's say, black men who are given a, a free pass and, and they're not evil or inadequate. Um, but the, ma- the major male characters in, all, in, in many movies and TV shows um, uh, are presented in a very negative way. Uh, and then we found that, that the same pattern happened on, on news shows, um, the ways in which news was reported um, and... Um, so that was really, but the, the but the purpose of that first book. Hey, hey Paul, just, Paul, just to let you know, just um, until we bring our next guest on, we have about two minutes left. Uh, we've had you on for almost an hour. I love having you on, but and I want to bring you back on next week. Or, um, but please, um, if you go through your books, um, uh, we have about two minutes left with you. I don't mean to, you know, uh, speed you up, but we're just on a time frame. Okay, well, they're all on Amazon, so just look up my name. You can find them. Okay, perfect. Um, and, you know, <laughs> please, na- please name them again, all, all four of them. Pardon me? Can you name all four of them again, all four of your books on well, Amazon? Well, one is Spreading Misandry. The second is Legalizing Misandry. The third is Sanctifying Misandry. Uh, and the fourth is um, replacing Miss Andrew. Wow, I love, it. dude, I love it. I um, and, and again, this is amazing. You're a conservative gay Jew. I mean, you don't see that barely ever. I mean, me, you're like Milo. You know Milo Yiannopoulos. Well, you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, there you are. That's who I am. Well, Let me, I, mean, I have like a quick question. Yeah, Zolo, go ahead. Yeah, I have one quick quick question. So, uh, as you say, you are uh, <clears throat> gay. So, but you also admit that the best uh, family would be a mother and father for a child. And um, I must say, like, I'm pretty shocked at that. Just because, you know, most gay, you know, people don't really admit that. And like that's that's pretty. I mean, I think it's obviously you're right in my opinion. Like no question. But I mean, why won't they admit that? You know, other 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 gay people like they just won't admit that. It's so clearly obvious. If you know what I mean. Well, first of all, I do know other gay people who say that. Not many, but I do know some. But I mean, the reason you're shocked, and it's a very interesting point, is because we've come to expect that people will always act. Um, out of self-interest only. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that people might uh, look beyond their own self-interest and, see, and, and ask what's good for society as a whole has become a very peculiar idea. And that's a danger sign in any democracy. And to be fair, I wasn't I wasn't saying all gay people, so I misspoke. However, when I what I was trying to uh, say was most liberal uh, gay people. My cousin, yeah. for example, who is a gay man, uh, is totally he thinks you know oh what's the difference between two? Got well, there's a huge difference. I don't really want to get into it with my cousin, but you know what I mean. So so I didn't mean all gay gay people. I just I know I know on the left so. Rory, can I ask Rome one quick, one quick question? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, um, Paul, I have four boys, and yeah. um, I really I have found it from all the way up from elementary school all the way up through high school. I believe that that it, that feminism has gone too far, and now it's like the boys are getting the bad rap. And you know, if they eat if they eat a cookie the wrong way and it's a gun, you know, they're gonna get in trouble. Or if they kiss a girl yeah. on the cheek, suddenly they're, you know, they're sexually harassing. And I think they've become the the bad guys and they're just yeah. trying to get through the day like everybody else. Could you comment on that? Well, I mean you're 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 absolutely correct. And um Actually, um, quite a few people have acknowledged this. I mean, Christina Hoff Summers wrote a book called The War on Boys about 20 years ago, um, saying very much the same thing. Um, and uh, then we have these, uh, as I, I think I mentioned before, these, these uh, newspaper articles by mothers who say they don't know how they can love their sons because they're going to grow up to be men. Um, Horrible. So there is a real problem here. And well, and by, the way, by the way, by the way, a lot of the support that Catherine and I have received comes from uh, mothers of boys. They do not know what to do. They're worried. How can they not know what to do? So, has, so their roles of boys in society, mothers don't know how to teach their kids to, to follow this, you know, be strong and that kind of thing? Well, I saw two articles, one of them in the New York Times, one of them in the Huffington Post, and both of them were written by Liberal. mothers who said that they didn't know how to love their sons. Wow, Jesus Christ. that is sad. And it's two liberal organ, you know, two liberal media outlets. That's that's something that's right. because in general the conservative view is more, you know, if you believe in God and you follow your your religion, um, you know, you wouldn't be asking this question. Well, exactly. Real, Josh, do you have a question? Um, I, I mean, I think, I think I'm, I'm good. I mean, I'm a little bit overwhelmed with everything I've heard. It's been fantastic. I'm just kind of like taking it all in. It's been great. Awesome, man. Uh, Paul, please. Um, so your books are on Amazon. I, you know, and please tell us, you know, again, before you go, it's so hard to find, you know, you know, especially in the United States, I would say it's probably about 80% to 20% in terms of 80% of the gay gay people in the United States are liberal, leftists, and then they got that 20% that's uh, conservative. So it's, it's, it's not, you know, and for some reason, 
gay the, the gay community likes to think that the conservative um val that the conservative party is against them and and uh you know they have this kind of de- delusion you know I, we're more open and willing to hear and we're more I mean, we're not the judgmental type like the liberals are. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of misinformation that the LGBTQ yeah. community has about the conservative party, which is the, the, you know, right. the liberal. The, yeah, you're right, but I think that uh, that um, I mean, at least in my case, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I've come to the conclusions that I've come to, uh, not because uh, it's a matter of choosing this party or that party. It's about right. uh, thinking truth. Something is going right. to be true no matter which party espouses it. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, you, it, have you know, to be it, intellectually. It... Go ahead. Go ahead, Valerie. Sorry. Sorry. You have to be intellectually honest to see that That's truth. Well, because I think, like somebody said earlier, you know, they're looking at the world through their own um, selfish eyes, and then, and then they don't see the truth. But somebody like you, you look at it, you know, analytically, and you see it, you see it without the the you know your ego. That's what we all. That's what democracy requires. That we have to at least strive for that ideal of personal integrity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. And you know, I, you know, I I want to applaud you, man, for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. You've been very insightful, and. You know, is it fair? Is it fair with, with my assessment earlier to classify feminism, the radicalization, the way it is today, as a sign of terrorism? I mean, that's fair to say, right? Well, yes, it's interesting that you say that. Um, um, you know, one of the things that has happened in the past uh, sixty or seventy years, um, including feminism, is that it's no longer necessary at least not in a democracy, to, um, to bring out the guns and the artillery and the tanks. If you want a revolution, a social revolution, all you have to do is capture popular opinion um, and right. get laws changed. And that's, the, that's the, the cleaner way of having a revolution. You don't have to get your hands dirty with blood. You just have to convince enough people that you're right uh, and get laws changed. And uh, for my audience, you can you know you can buy your uh, I have uh, on my store feminism is terrorism T-shirts with the blood dripping down, and you can buy them. They're very <laughs> stylish, and and it describes the uh, scenario perfectly. It's all written in blood letters. Feminism is terrorism, and uh, audience, you can find them uh, on my uh, you can find them actually at the DonaldJTrumpStore.com. They're actually on there as well. Um, so yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. Um, but you know, it really is. You, you describe it perfectly, Paul. I mean, you know, and and the way you know, I'm glad you, um, you know, agree with my assessment that I mean, it is a, a form of terrorism, especially with the way they go about go about and carry themselves. They don't do it in a professional or an adult uh, manner. You know, it, it's it, it, it's aggressive, and and I've even seen some of these females get aggressive and physical and hostile with people. It's scary sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not characteristic of them. They have they have other cleaner ways of getting their their uh, their goals achieved. Um, but let me just put in this last word here. When I talk yeah. about feminism, I'm talking about ideological feminism, not right. egalitarian feminism, which is a reality. Absolutely. 
And I'm we're, we're, we're I'm not talking, talking about, about women just, just in general. To be clear, just to be clear, we're talking about the feminism, the the stuff that's occurring in the United States today, the riots and the marches and the just the absurdity. And really, the the definition of terrorism, because that's my field, really has is it, it's a political change with violence. The use the people that are using violence to create political change are terrorists. So any organization that does that can be can be used, can be called terrorists. Yeah. Very well said. Paul, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Paul, I, I you know, I really want to thank you for coming on. I'm going to have you back on soon. Um, you know, there's a lot more we want to go over with you, especially everything that's going on in the world. Um, but thank you. Anything, uh, please promote yourself, anything you want to give a shout-out to or any um, any plugs you have, feel free. No, no, I don't. Just think about <laughs> what I said. Okay, and people can find your books. They know where to find your books. Can they find you on Twitter? Can they find you on any social media? No. Okay. I don't do that. All righty. But the books are out there. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Paul. And we'll have you back soon, man. It's been, it's been great having you. I will add one thing. I just published an article in an online journal, which I think is, yeah. and it's about me too. It's called, the journal is called new male studies and it's right. an online journal. And my article is about, uh, sexual harassment and identity harassment. Real quick before you go, we, we all, I, I've gone way over time because I'm waiting for my, my next guest, but real quick, before you go in a 30-second time frame, what do you think of the Me Too movement? Don't you think it's a bunch of bullshit? <laughs> I think that it, it, it's a danger because it's, uh, it's, it's real quick, undermines before, before the legal Before you say system. that real quick, I'm going to say something in five seconds. I think it's pathetic when women need to validate and and give public. I mean, when they need to give need validation and they need this sort of um, attention, I think it's pathetic. I mean, why advertise it? But go ahead. Sorry. Well, I I think I mean as I discussed before, there are reasons why that movement originated. I mean, there are problems. Why should women? Women don't want to be intimidated at work. I, I, can, I have no problem with that. I do have a problem with undermining the legal system by denying yeah. uh, due process, denying the, the presumption of innocence, destroying yeah. people's lives without any evidence presented. Yeah. That, I think, is a very serious problem. Like, like it's pathetic. For instance, like 18 years later, there was a report that came out the other day a woman's claiming Jamie Foxx slapped her in the face with his penis and wanted to get oral sex from her, and now she's coming out 18 years later. I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, this, this is the story. I mean, and this is real. You can go look at it anywhere. This is a true story, and Jamie Foxx denies it. But, I mean, come on. That's just part of the whole Me Too bullshit. Like, why didn't you come out when it happened? Why do you wait 10 to 20 years? I mean, come on. Come on. Well, look, we can, you know, all that is something that we can discuss. That's an interesting topic. But I just, right. but, but for me, the bottom line is when you undermine the rule of law and you have vigilante justice. That's a big. That right. is what worries me most. 
Right. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. And then you got Gloria Allred, who's supporting all these Me Too people. I'm sure you know who that is. The ridiculous yeah. feminist lawyer who you know is she, she's the, she's so corrupt. Uh, she did a lot of Hillary Clinton stuff. But but yeah. But you know. But I, you know, Paul, thank you, thank you for coming on. Um, we'll have you back on very soon. Um, and uh, God bless you, man. Cheers and uh, thank you. Have a good thank night. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good night. All right. Take care. Bye. Paul Nathanson, everybody. Good guest. Good guest. Good guy. Zolo, I know you want to say something. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so, go ahead. He's a, I will I will say that um he's a very rare uh commodity person because you know, let me let's be honest, okay? Yes. Most very rare commodities. Uh, most gay people I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Obviously, there are some that are. Were you entertained by the conversations, Zolo? I'm just wondering. Yes, I, I, I was. I was. He. I appreciate the shit. The stuff he said. Um, yeah. I was just very, very surprised that <laughs> he, uh, even as a conservative, he um, is for against. I'm sorry, against gay marriage. I mean, I know a gay I know conservative cons- against the gay, against gay marriage, you know. Yeah, like I know conservatives like who. Oh follow me God! On I should have. Are- there was one thing I forgot to ask him about. I should have asked him how he felt about Pride. Ah, oh, God! That was the only thing I did. I will forgot to ask him how he felt about Pride Month. Oh, Pride! Pride! Oh my God! How how much attention are we going to give these people? Um, but but it's. I know a lot a lot of people that are conservative. I mean, I don't know a lot of gay people to be honest, but the gay people that follow me on Twitter, they're all they're like for gay marriage. They're like, "Oh no, it's all good. It's all good." So for a gay oh, conservative yeah. to be against gay marriage, that is a big Let deal. Let them be happy. Very, very Let's change the lives. Let's change history. March through the streets. <laughs> It's I, I don't know how we got to this point, but in in society where we but I, I'm all telling started, you, man, like I, I I give him a lot of credit, man, for saying that the best way to raise a child is with a mother and a father, man. That 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 I give him a lot of credit for for saying that because I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Obviously, liberal gay people will never admit that, and most conservative right. gays don't admit that either. They don't. Right. So so that's, right. I think that might be the biggest thing I got out of his his uh, his time uh, with us because you got to understand most gay people, whether I'm there on the right or the left, are for gay marriage. Yeah. They just are. Right. They just are. I mean, there's yeah. a few here and there that aren't, but but yeah. but even on the right, the gay people on the right are are for gay marriage, and and I think it's a really big deal that he's against it. I, I think it's I think it's a good thing. Because I'm not for gay marriage either, but but he's. I think it's very rare, and I appreciate his honesty on it. So that's. I like the whole thing. It was good. He was. He's a good guy. Absolutely, one one hundred percent. He 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 really is, and uh, I do want to. I do want to shift topics. We got a lot. We still got a lot to talk about. We got about twenty, a little over twenty minutes. 
Um, so, okay, let me see here. Brand new uh, report out today. Ongoing unemployment drops to the lowest level since 1973. Again, since 1973. Lowest unemployment. That is unbelievable. And um, this is great news. Nearly all of the Washington Capitol players, the hockey team that won the Stanley Cup, will attend the White House ceremony. They won't be like other, the other bitches, the NFL or the NBA players that uh, whine, and, well, whine and cry and say they won't visit. Um, which, uh, you know, you, you all, I mean, the fact that it, it was even in, in the cards for these ungrateful uh, bastards from the NBA and the NFL to uh, not go to the White House. I mean, who the hell are they? Disgraceful. Oh, my God. Um, Dude, just thinking about that is getting my blood boiling, that these elite. And also, another big announcement, UFC champ Colby Covington will be going to the White House, too. And he called the Philadelphia Eagles the Philadelphia Eagles, called them a bunch of pieces of shit for not visiting the White House. Which I'm sure that UFC fighter could take on any uh, any football player the way he fights, um, if they want to you know start some start any sort of war with him. Uh, but you know it's it's it, it, it's it's awesome to see you know I love that you know you know the NHL the NHL the Washington Capitals Stanley Cup winners are going to go to the White House that's great. Um, you know here here's a here's a big thing that's bothering me, Paul Ryan. Scheduled amnesty votes for next week. He's really pushing amnesty, Paul Ryan, and that's really uh, getting under my skin. I uh, am not for uh, enabling people here that are that are here illegally, and uh, you need to draw a line. I mean, when does it end? When does it fucking but end? But the problem. See, this is what happens. All the yeah. all the Republicans and Democrats they say. Well, not the Democrats. It's their way or the highway. But the Republicans say, we have to come together with the Democrats, and we have to all find the solution. We have to find the solution that works. The only solution that they will propose is amnesty. Amnesty yeah. is unacceptable. It is a deal breaker. Illegal aliens yeah. should not be given any amnesty, no citizenship. Every illegal alien needs to be deported. If they want to come back, yeah. come back the right way. It's as simple as right. that. You can't break the rules for some of them and not for the others. They have, you have to follow the law. You are in this country illegally. And I'm sick of hearing people on my side say, oh, well, you know, I mean, if they've been here for 20 years, no bullshit, then what's the cutoff date? So if someone's been here for 14, 15, 17, 19, you no, gotta draw the fucking you have line. to follow the law. You have to draw the line. Deport you them do. all, build the wall, start from scratch. You you do because when because if you keep giving these people inches, they'll take miles, and we've learned that from history. Um, this isn't this isn't something new that we're just tr- bringing to the table. We have given these people many opportunities for amnesty in the past. We've given them many opportunities to become citizens. This is their problem. This is not and, our problem. And Rory. Rory, it's it's not only it's not only about the law. The law is the number one thing, but people have to understand it's about culture on, too. 
Yeah, and I turned on CNN today, and I was watching CNN for a little bit the, uh, this evening because uh, I like to get a mixture. I like to see what's going on on Fox and CNN. But CNN is giving all this sympathy and all of this compassion and all of this attention in trying to give these crocodile tears for these illegal immigrants that are getting taken away from their families. I mean, what do you expect if you come into the country illegally without any sort of, you know, they're not, like, other countries, you can't do that. I mean, other countries are na- the nations of borders and laws. They'll shoot you if you do go into other countries without consent, without their permission. I mean, we are the most generous, most down-to-earth country. People are lucky that they've been able to take advantage of the system for so damn long and not have the consequences that they would if they live somewhere like in the Middle East or some of these other countries, even Mexico, they fucking torture, they'll torture Americans down there. They don't care. Um, you know, they, it's absurd. They they say, they say the parents are just trying to bring their kids to a better place. Uh, right. Bullshit. Their parents are putting right. their whole family in danger by bringing their children into a country illegally. Okay. And right, by like, the way, but, it, but, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say. Yeah. Go ahead. With with culture, with culture, with immigration, you can't just keep bringing in and allowing. This goes for legal immigration too. If you just keep bringing in people legally and and illegally, right? They're yeah. bringing in yeah. different culture. Many of them are not yeah. assimilating to ours. So if you fast forward down years from now, and I don't mean hundreds, I mean decades, 15, 20 years, you're going to have a different America. You're going to have a, 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 a different America and people don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. It sounds, you know, it sounds harsh. It sounds racist, but it's true. If you keep bringing people in from, from a particular part of the, of the world, meaning Mexico, that's where 80% of them coming from, you're going to have little, you're going to have the United States of, of Mexico. You're not going to have America down the road. You're just not. You have to get a hold on immigration. You just, they're right. not going to assimilate. They're not speaking English. They're not even trying. That doesn't mean they're all not, but many of them aren't. Trust me. I, I've seen it. I've right. worked with these people. You're very, tr- you're very, you're absolutely correct. And it, it, it's to the point where, you have to draw the line at some point. And, you know, we're a country of laws. You know, yes, I have a big heart. So so do a lot of us. But at the same time, we, we, you know, we can't, we can't always let our hearts, uh, you know, go against what the law says. Um, as much as we, you know, some of the things we don't want to see, like illegals getting taken away from their families, they shouldn't be coming across the border in the first place. Like we, we're not the world police. We're not responsible for all of these other countries. Like, you know, and you know, we get yelled at by the left because we're called racist and hateful because we don't want to take on other people's problems and we don't want to be respond. Like I, I don't like I'm I get so confused and the left tries to call us bigots and racist and hateful, but if you really think about it, these people crossing the border. Are, are the ones that are the problems. I mean, they, they're coming into territory that's not theirs. I mean, you know, they're, they're doing things the wrong way. I mean, it, it's, Wait. it's like, you know. How, how are we, you know, the left says we're the hateful ones, but yeah. we want to draw the line and we want to treat all of the illegal aliens the same. We want to deport them all. The left, 
wants to take care of some they want of them the boats. and, not, they want and the boats. not some of them? Why would they want to help some and not help them all? I mean, obviously they do, but people on the right, like Paul Ryan, wants to give amnesty to people who've been here a certain amount of time. That's that Which hateful. Doesn't make why don't you just want to yeah, help like them I don't, all? I don't know why Paul Ryan does some of the shit he does. I mean, I know he's a rhino. I know he's not a you know, a real Republican, but there's a lot of these people. I, I, they're, they're getting paid on the back end. They're getting something um, in return for pushing this amnesty. Well, there's no doubt about donors, it. Coach brothers. The coach brothers are definitely giving them, giving them money. Well, yeah, their donors want their donors yep. want illegal, illegal immigration so they can pay uh, pay uh, lesser wages. They can pay smaller wages yep. instead of paying Americans higher wages. Yep. Yep. Oh, absolutely. One hundred percent. Um, and, and it's another thing is, you know. Yeah, you're Josh, Valerie, any thoughts on this? I, I wanna I, I do wanna get into a couple other topics, but go ahead. Valerie, if you if you have anything to say, I, I mean they pretty much covered everything in my book. You guys took every you guys took everything <laughs> I had to say and said it already. <laughs> I agree right. with the what you were saying about with the um those coming over the border illegally and that also includes um Muslims because they oh, traditionally fuck, yeah. have a lot of kids. And yep. that their population will grow in um exponentially more than um the common American, we don't usually have, you know, eight to 10 kids. And um, that's going to really substantially change the population very, very quickly. Absolutely. And that's not to say um, that's bad. It's not to say that Muslims are bad. I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying that the the population of the United States will change. And as a result of that, you know, people will run for office and then the laws will change. And the traditions will change, and it's just something that we should keep in mind. Rory, Rory, before we go to the next topic, let me just say something. It'll be 30 seconds. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, say what Valerie uh, is – well, she said it, but I'm going to elaborate because I don't care what people call me. They've been calling it, calling me names for the past three years. So the bottom line is no country in the world has ever faced this rapid of a demographic change in their country whites right. are 70 percent of the country and I mean, at the look, rate real quick mike mike like for instance look at like for instance the trump foundation they came out with a lawsuit against them today look at the hostility i mean just like you said earlier the hateness the hatefulness that's out for this president and they want to destroy him any way possible we all know this lawsuit against the trump foundation that came out today is gibberish no, oh, it's 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 well funny that it came out today. The, On the, his the birthday. Report. What? On on his birthday it comes out. Yeah, and when the IG report was uh, released. But real quick, I just yep. want to say, no country yeah. has faced this demographic uh, rapid change in demographics. Whites are right. are sixty five seventy percent of the population. If you fast forward, and they say. This is from the immigration studies. In 2040, whites will be a minority. Now, the reason I'm not okay with that is not because I don't like other races. It's because the amount of people coming in are not Americans. That means other countries are going to – other foreigners are going to take over our country, and we will be a minority in our own country. People don't want to talk about this because it's a touchy subject, 
but it has to be discussed because it's a fact. But but with Trump, he's going to lower uh, legal immigration as well and stop illegal immigration. But but this influx is just going to destroy demographics. Like it's not about race; it's just about America. It's about Americanism. You're not going to have Agreed. America anymore. Agreed. You're and at, also, at, if they don't real quick, Val, real quick, Valerie, we need yeah, to move sorry, topics real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I'm sorry. Oh no! Are you go ahead. If they don't assimilate, that's the problem. If they assimilate and become Americans, there's no problem with it. But if they bring their own culture, their own laws, their own everything, and they expect us to change, that's the problem. Right. Very well said. Very well said. Um, right. A couple quick things. A couple quick things I just want to say. Um, you know, Rose. You know, and I don't want to get too much into this. Real quick, we all know this. Rosenstein needs to be impeached, Rod Rosenstein. We know this. We're not going to speak too much on it because I think something's coming. We're going to talk more about it. We will, we will be on the air tomorrow. Um, I'm, everybody, Zolo, you'll be joining us. Valerie, I'm sure you'll be joining us. And, I'm, and uh, Josh, I'm sure you'll be joining us. Everybody, right? Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Zolo, you want to? Yeah. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, we'll be talking about that tomorrow, but Rosenstein's going to be going anytime soon. But what I want to get into right now, what's very important, is um, the legalization of drugs. Now, I, I want to get uh, – Josh, please tell us what you think about your – Strong opinion about what you think of the legalization. Oh my goodness! I have to, I have to do this again. <laughs> Please, because uh, I, I want Zolo. I want Zolo wasn't yeah. here last night. That's right. I actually Zolo. So I want, I want you to get give me your opinion on this because I know you have much more of a uh, a, a relationship with this issue than I do. Um, so my and you heard this two shows ago, but my opinion is. If if we hypothetically were to legalize all drugs and make it so that you could go buy, for instance, meth down at your local gas station, which sounds insane, but the idea would be the idea would be it'd be you'd be the society would be freer because we'd have the opportunity to to do those type of things. The only time you wouldn't be able to obviously you wouldn't be able to use them and drive just like alcohol. Basically, everything would be regulated very similarly like alcohol, as well as it would eliminate drug crime because you would get a lot of these people out of jail and and people not going to jail that would have been, as well as we wouldn't get as much drugs crossing over from Mexico because you dare to walk to your gas station. Why go buy it from the sketchy-ass dude? So I think it would also cause a lot of the um, I, I, and one of the things I mentioned yesterday was we could fund the wall from taxing uh, all these drugs we just legalized. But I, I, I'd like you to talk on that because I know that you Please, probably will have something go. much smarter to say. Okay. So, first of all, I, I respect your opinion, but I think I think it's fucking absurd. Uh, so here's 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 the thing. Okay. Marijuana, you want to talk about marijuana, let's put that aside, okay? I'm talking about, you're talking about all drugs. Now, when I used to do drugs and shoot heroin, and you say, you say so nonchalantly, oh, we'll have regulations on it. You know, people will go to the gas station to buy, uh, you know, meth or, or fucking syringes with heroin. 
first of all, it sounds fucking insane. But first of all, second of all, here's the problem. Here's the problem with your argument. You're assuming that that people. You still need money. Addicts still need money, right? So what do addicts do to get money? They rob, right? They, they steal. They do bad shit. You still have a problem with drugs. It doesn't matter if you're getting it from the fucking guy down the street or the gas station. You still need funds to pay for it. And how do you get funds if you're an addict? You're probably not working fucking, uh, you know, Working, you're probably hustling. You're probably stealing from people's cars, like I used to do, stealing from your family. So you're still gonna do bad shit, and it's dangerous because people that I even know rob people with knives, and they're in prison. And it doesn't matter if they were getting it from a gas station or not; they still need funds to get the drug because it's not free. Now, if you want to talk about Hey, if some if some way if the drugs were 100% free and addicts can just go buy drugs, fine. Okay, well, well, I still think it, it wouldn't work. But I'm just saying I used to use heroin, and I know what you're saying about freedom. I'm all about freedom, man. But but I have, for example, I had a friend who was nodding out on heroin in the car, and he fucking died. He got into a car accident, and he almost killed. A family of five. Now, to me, that puts other people in danger. I understand what you're saying when you say, if you want to fucking ruin your life and get high on meth or heroin, go for it. I get that. But that's not how people are going to live when they're addicts, man. They're, they're, they're addicts. Their brain function is different. They don't do anything except chase that high. So in the end, that guy, whoever was saying, um, or maybe I saw it before somewhere, are all... Um, are all addicts criminals? Yes. Yes. It doesn't mean we're, we're like the worst people. But, yeah, when I was an addict, I was doing pretty criminal shit. I was stealing. I was robbing. Like, it doesn't mean I had a gun and I was putting it to people's faces. I'm not talking that serious. But I know people who have gone that serious. So I'm just saying it, it's wishful thinking in my, in my book. I don't think if you, if you get arrested with a bag of heroin, you should get your life ruined. But I also don't think it should be legal where you could just shoot heroin and, you know, it's all good. I just don't think it's, it, it works like that. that. That's just my opinion on it. So, R- Rory, do we have time for me to have a little bit of a rebuttal here? We have about – we have literally a minute and 20 seconds left. So make it, make it 30 I'll, I'll seconds. Just, you're, you're, I'll, I'll say this. This is the only place that you and I disagree. I, I agree with a lot you said. The only thing I disagree with – the government and the regulations that we have set up right now for drug misuse and use of illegal drugs doesn't work. So, you know, regulations currently aren't helping it. That's my biggest thing. I want to fix that. Um, so, you know, that's why in my mind, why, why have regulation on something we can't stop people from using anyway? What's the point of a law if you can't catch people for it? Like, it's not stopping people from using heroin. Heroin use goes up every single day. So that's where I'm. That's where I don't know that answer. Well, look, right. I'm not. I'm not saying I know the answer. I'm just saying from. Look, you have to understand. I'm speaking from a personal experience point of view. When I live that lifestyle, I just cannot imagine it being legal because at the end of the day, I still need funds to get that, and I will do whatever I have to 
when I'm addicted to that drug to get it, whether it's whether it's sold by the government or sold by the drug dealer down the street. I'm still going to do dirty shit to get that money to get that drug. So I just I don't think everything's going to be safer. I don't think people are going to be safer. I think I'll have the freedom to do it, but I don't think I think right. other people's freedoms might be affected. Mike, Mike, we're but. at it. Mike, we're out of time, but well said. Um, everybody, oh, we're gonna be back. We're gonna be back tomorrow night. But Zolo, go ahead real quick with your plugs, where they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, you should follow me at Mike underscore Zolo Z O L L O on Twitter. That's where I'm at. Excellent, and Valerie, go ahead. You'll be. Um, you can Real find quick. me in my blog at uh, backyard com. And then, every, yeah, people know. And then your books you can find on Amazon. That's right. My book is uh, Backyard Jihad um, on Amazon.com. Perfect. And then, Josh? Yeah, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram if you wish at J O S H H L A Z A T Y. Perfect. And everybody? You can follow me on Twitter at Sodder Rory. Again, that's at Sodder Rory. And uh, please visit uh, my store, thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. You can also visit rorysodder.tv, my my brand-new news media site, The Next Gen USA, will be coming out very soon. I can't wait to share that with all of you. Um, and also, please visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com. It's amazing. It's a great place. You'll be very well taken care of. Uh, we got a we got a huge show for you tomorrow night. We'll be bringing to you. Um, I did not get to a lot. I, there's some topics I didn't get to tonight that I will get to tomorrow. I want to thank all of my listeners um, for tuning in tonight. I'm Rory Sodder. Thank you for tuning in. God bless you all, and we'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Cheers.